You're listening to Thinkers What Works podcast. I'm your host, Jason Todd, with my co-host, Alex Gary, and today, Dan Apino. He's a high school football coach and counselor. Dan, it is a pleasure to have you on. Welcome. Thanks, Jason. Appreciate being here. So you, as the, at the time of this recording, you have recently resigned from a local high school uh, coaching program as the head coach. Uh, obviously, uh, you... You'd been there for what six seasons, I think. Six it was? years, yes. Yeah, and going into that, you had a team that wasn't thriving, perhaps. Well, uh, let, let me let me build it up a little bit for you because I mean, this is a a business podcast, right? And we have a football coach. Yeah. On. Um, before Dan had got to Auburn, uh, I think Auburn had won thirteen games in fifteen years. Yeah, they were on a thirty-five game losing streak. Yeah, uh, when we came in going into there. It was like three and a half years yeah. worth coming in, and, uh, and you know, as as a Nick Ten historian or football, I mean, a couple of those years they scored like forty points and gave up two hundred and eighty. I have no like idea that. how you remember all these numbers. I because it's all on my yeah, I got it on my. Computer. It's all in, no, it's all in your head. But it you know when when he got that job, I thought it was a great thing for the school district, and I also you know said, well, it's too bad he's going to ruin his career record because I you know I mean when you watch a school struggle for that long. <laughs> You just don't know what it, it takes to turn something like that around. Right. So I invited or we invited uh, Dan on tonight to talk about one thing that, that Jason's very big on when it comes to business, and that's culture. You know, how did you tackle and or how big was it to change the culture of Auburn to get it to where you wanted it to go? Well, it's by far the, the biggest task involved with, with going into a school is, is addressing the culture and climate of the, the mentality of, of the people you're going to be working with on a daily basis. And, and that was something that, uh, you know, we had a, a, my staff and I, I had a core guys who came with me, uh, Josh Fagan and John Paul Toldo and Matt Renfro and couple of other guys and my son came out of college and joined us and we had a kind of established a, a culture at Boylan but Boylan was kind of rolling along when we when I took over in 2002 I mean we had a great coach ahead of time and we'd gotten close a couple times and so we tweaked the culture there and built off of it and felt like we had a pretty good product going in terms of of how we did that and then we um brazenly thought we could just put it in play at Auburn with a little bit of you know, uh, another few revisions or tweaks and always trying to build a better mousetrap. And, and it's been an ongoing process for us in the six years that, that we've been there. And uh, it's it's by far the biggest thing in terms of, of putting together a really good product on Friday nights that gets exposed every every fall how, how good a job you're doing. So yeah. um, that, that's been the funnest part of it is, is trying to address that. So you had a culture that you had built at a previous school, mm-hmm. which you're saying was just kind of it was just kind of steady eddy. Think everything's just working, right? And you thought you could take that culture, move it to a, a different set of people. What what challenges did you experience in that? Well, you know, first of all, I think the the whole reason we kind of one of the reasons we accepted that challenge was people said it couldn't be done. Right, you couldn't go into. Auburn, you know, the historians like Alex Gary said that's going to be right? a, a nightmare, you know, when you tackle that. And so, um, thankfully, I had uh, multiple uh, guys coming in with me to help sell that cult- that culture and climate. Because I think the big mistake a lot of uh, schools, especially high schools, make is when they want to change their program, if they've struggled for years, is they'll just hire one guy. Yeah. I don't think one guy can do that. Right. And it's just it's just not enough way to, to get the message out, to get your, 
your your points across to reinforce with the kids every day in practice and, mm-hmm. and the parents and the fans. So yeah. we had we had six guys I think going in who I had coached and had worked with and kind of knew you know what what we were about and what we wanted to sell. And then um, when I went through the hiring process, I remember that was one of the most exhausting things because I did it nights at Skirrell's Restaurant over near Auburn because I couldn't go into Auburn and certainly couldn't do it at Boylan, obviously. <laughs> so um, I would have coaches come in, and everything I asked in terms of the interview was centered around culture and climate and what, yeah. we were, what our values were going in. Okay. And so I was able to hire another five guys who also really bought into the things that we were doing. And so we had 11 guys strong going in, and and I think that was our, that was our launching point. By having that, I thought we were ready to build – from that point on. Yeah. And you talked about having a core set of people who you knew kind of your, they're your team, you know what they execute on. There's no questions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How, how important was that to have that core set of people? Well, it was critical. You know, um, we only had one full-time guy leave, leave Boylan and, and he was going to leave anyways, Josh Fagan, um, our D coordinator, because you know, his, his family had some medical concerns and, and he had to improve his insurance base and the public schools offer a terrific insurance base. So he was looking. And so Josh came and then all the rest of the guys were either part-timers or college kids who wanted to get into coaching and into a school. Yeah. Uh, and and Boylan at the time was contracting a little bit size-wise and that just wasn't going to be an option. So it was one of those deals. It was kind of like a perfect storm. Mm-hmm. You know, we were ready to kind of make a change. I, I needed something different at that point in my career after being a boiling for 27 years, I wanted to do something different. And this was just this incredible challenge and good for the young kids. And it seemed like it was meant to be. So having those guys in place, you know, I had a D coordinator, I had a, a freshman coach. Um, I, I hired a sophomore coach, Kevin Anderson, who's been in the Rockfordist was a great, you know, football player at West high school and stuff. And so it just, everything kind of clicked uh, initially in terms of uh, our roles as a, as a staff going into that first season. And then, so you brought yourself, obviously, as this as this leader, the strong leader, this proven leader, and then these core group of people that you knew they could execute in a number of different areas, and you could trust them. And then you brought a bigger team on there to say, do you agree to these fundamental values that are going to exist in our organization that you could then build off of? Is that the concept? Absolutely. And, and really, we, we looked for people who who either came from the Auburn community or the West Side, so they kind okay. of understood the dynamics of what we were dealing with. So... It wasn't a, a kid out of college from a rural school that had a population of 75. I mean, that would be culture shock going to Auburn with 1,800 right. you know, inner city kids and yeah. high poverty rates. So yeah. you know, we had people who kind of knew the, the types of kids we were dealing with and, and, and really enjoyed being around those kids and, and wanted to help them thrive. Okay. So you have then – I'm building this formula in my mind that you have, uh, you have these, these, these folks who are bought into your – your uh, vision of the culture and the values, those core values, but they're also, they also come an intimate understanding of the population with which they're going to be working in. I think so. Yeah. Do I you, think that was, that was our goal going in was to build that, that key team, if you will, to address those culture issues. Gotcha. So the, this idea of transplanting the culture, the, the challenges that you experienced in having the, the, uh, as, cause I'm assuming you had some of these same values that you'd used to mm-hmm. you know, previous school mm-hmm. this new school, you kept those core values, the transplanting of that culture, you've got this new core, you've got this core group, you've got this, this team of individuals who bought in, who understand the population, but you still have challenges then. Mm-hmm. Cause how do you get the, how do you get the population at large to, 
to buy in and listen and and trust and respect? How do you, what were those challenges with the transplanting? Well, I think we had a lot of immediate success. Some of the short term um, values that we we're trying to you know uh, impose on the, on the kids and and we demanded of the coaches and 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 all of our our personnel, our support personnel too, was, you know, obviously we, we want to make you guys college and career ready. We want them to be able to look someone in the eye, to shake their hand, hmm. um, to be able to address them on a daily basis. How are you? How's your family? Nice to see you, sir. Yes, ma'am. No, sir. And, and do it not just with the coaches, but do it with their teachers, do yeah. it with the janitors, do it with the the lunch ladies, things like that, you know? And so that was one of the things that really kind of struck us, um, when we had the, uh, a press conference in March, um, and it was right after Auburn had been on this really cool basketball run. So there's great energy in the school. Yeah. That was when uh, Fred Van Vliet, Van Vliet was there and took yeah. them to third place, I think, in mm-hmm. the state. So ton of people. This, and I'm shaking hands with kids, and no one's looking me in the eye. And they're for these big, athletic-looking kids, there's just <laughs> this terrible handshake. It's soft. It's fishy. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> okay, we got to work on some things, you know. And, and, and all my other guys who were there said the same thing. So we, we started addressing those small, you know, they call them soft skills. Yeah. <clears throat> things that we thought would help kids get, like, jobs right away. Yeah. You know, to make a good impression on people. And that, that took right away. And I think the parents really kind of like that too, and the teachers in the school like that too, because all of a sudden you got kids who can at least make initial contact. Our first two days of camp, we spent shaking hands, looking each other in the eye, and stuff like that. Wow! So um, that was our, our our early on successes, but things like um, being on time have been slower. That's one of our other core values. Being has been hard, yeah, because when you're dealing with a high poverty uh, population, transportation is an issue. Sure. Watching kids is an issue, yeah. younger siblings and stuff like that. So we were a little naive in some of that coming in, and that's been a learning curve for us. It's, it's gotten better, a lot better. Still not where it should be, but a lot better uh, in terms of both our expectations and the way kids meet that goal. So we've had some short-term successes, <laughs> and obviously we've, we're still working at some of the other ones. Yeah. So I'm, I'm fascinated by that because you've, it seems then your approach – uh, is to look long term for uh, students or a kid's life success, right? How how do you inter- how do you relate with other people? What are your interpersonal skills like? Which maybe on the football field really has little to do with maybe winning a game, but winning at what comes next is huge and gets under. It kind of maybe gets into the core of the individual that hey, I really care about you, and we're going to play football too, but. I care about you, and I and I want to see you succeed. We looked at it like we're teaching them a skill, just like if we were, you know, defending a pass breakup yeah. or a pass rush or something like that. It's um, shaking the hands and looking someone in the eye and repeating their name so that you can remember it is is a huge tool with college coaches because yeah. they come in every day meeting our kids, and you know they're filtering the minute they walk in the school. Right. Those those college coaches are, and and when they meet a kid, they're they're filtering right away too. So we, we sold it to the kids. This is how. You get people to remember you for a second meeting. You yeah. know what I mean? Right. And, and if you're looking for a part-time job, which our kids at Auburn work all the time, yeah. you know, at, at fast food places around and stuff like that to help their families to to get things that they, they can't get. And mm-hmm. so that's been a, a huge plus for them. Kind of a neat story off of that. Three years ago, we're halfway in, and two of our, our kids, they were captains of ours, um, uh, decided they wanted to go to Nick Saban's Alabama football camp just to say they went down there. Yeah. And so they drove down to it and they stood in a line with 300 other kids shaking hands to meet Nick Saban. 
And according to both kids, Saban stopped the line when they went halfway. They, yeah. When they came up there, shook their hands and everything, and, and stopped the line and said, you guys, I want you to meet these Rockford-Auburn kids because <laughs> they know how to shake someone's hand and meet someone. Yeah. And our kids came back, and then, of course, they sold it for us. Right. You know what I mean? It, it, it made it easier because now they, they realized that we weren't just – selling them something we, yeah we wanted them to have success down the road so, for sure yeah yeah even even so this idea about being on time you've been having some difficulty with that and and from your experience that's kind of more of a cultural challenge rather than a you know i'm choosing not to i'm choosing not to be on time yeah i think it's both i think yeah. because you know um kids are they're they they learn the environment they're in and they adapt to it and they yep. know sometimes that we are probably more tolerant of kids who are late because we understand that there's right. no car no one to drive someone's working the third shift no yep. one can watch the the younger sibs and stuff that will be more permissive about stuff like that it yeah. sounds like that you also realized that you had to adjust your system somewhat slightly depending on who you were working with. Yeah, right? we have to we have to tweak it, and so, you know, we've had to kind of build that that system up a little bit. Okay, if you're late within this amount of time, it's okay. Right. You're just going to have to do some some running to get caught up with the other guys and get loose. Versus yeah. a kid who shows halfway through practice or not at all. Right. You know, so we've had to adapt and tweak the system, but that that's been one of our core values, and it's it's better than it was. I mean. I've had parents stop by, grandparents in the community stop by in the summer and say, I have never seen Auburn athletes working out in the summer outside. And we'll have, you know, 70 kids out there on a football field working mm. out. It's still, we got 110 kids in the program. It's not everybody, you know. Yeah. At Boylan, there would be 300 kids out there in the summer. Sure. You know, but they're not carrying around some of these other yeah. issues that, that, that some of the our kids, the Auburn kids, have to deal with. So, you know, we've had to kind of obviously compromise on some of the super high standards, but still demand that value. Mm -hmm. And that's been kind of a, the learning curve for us going into this culture aspect. Was so, it even larger than in terms of the culture with the kids? But what, did you also have to talk about the culture of the school a little bit? Because again, Auburn had been in the playoffs. The last time was 1990, you know, so it had been 26 years. I mean, I assume that administrators and um, teachers were just, you know, hoping you'd show up and just make it not look so bad. Yeah, I, I think that was definitely the expectation from, from faculty and fans was that there'd be more than 20 people in the stands on a Friday night, that the, the team wouldn't get, uh, you know, um, a running clock on them every time they played, that, you know, there'd be two levels of football as opposed to one, which were, they were pretty much down to in that last year. And so, um, yeah, they had low low standards for us to meet. So from that standpoint, um, I think they were really ecstatic with the first year um the fans and and the staff and yet you know for our standpoint based on you know what we knew the talent level of our kids was you know we feel like we still haven't hit stride to where we could be you know if we had complete buy-in but i don't know if we'll ever get complete buy-in or the ability of the kids to buy in with the needs that they have in their community yeah. so so how do you stay positive then i mean you 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 went into this i think and even at the outset you're like you know part of the reason we did this is because they said it couldn't be done and so you have that mentality about you. How do you stay swimming against the current when other people are thinking, yeah, 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 it's, that's neat that you think that, but you don't know what it's like? You know, I, honestly, it's part of the, the advantage of being older is that you have some perspective in it. And I remember um, 
when my son Pat played in 2007, we, we would get about 55% of the kids of the football team out to show up. And everybody thought everything was great at Boylan. It wasn't always great at Boylan. I sure. mean, there were issues there, too, in terms of buy-in and stuff like that. So it took a long time for Boylan to get to the point where they could win a, a state championship, 50 years, you know, um, to keep tweaking that that thing along to where that standard of excellence was a, was something that everybody kind of bought into that. Yeah. Um, and here we go in with our, our, our arrogance and think we're going to do it in five years, <laughs> six years, you know, that we're going to reach that same point. But, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I feel like we're moving in the right direction, but it's, and, and we always have to talk and keep perspective amongst ourselves because the younger coaches sometimes get frustrated. You know, they, they really get frustrated. They don't have that benefit of saying, okay, I remember when. Yeah. You know, they look at like, God, we. Yeah. Well, I, I should probably break in here because we never did say, um, you know, why did we have you on the show? We haven't said why, if you're a success or not. Uh, in, your, in your six years, uh, you won two Nick 10 football titles, which is the first Nick 10 football title by a Rockford public school since 1986. So it was larger than just Auburn. The district hadn't seen anybody win it. So obviously you have uh, succeeded in some of your goals. Not it, not the ultimate one to win the state title, but we should probably right. break in and just say that. <laughs> Otherwise people are sitting out there going, well, why are we talking about this guy? I mean, we, handshakes are great. But yeah. we, win games. we made the playoffs five of six years, which mm-hmm. they, they had only made it once before. Mm-hmm. And we've, we've, uh, we've had... 20 some guys go to college on on various types of scholarships and we usually have a division 1 kid every year and so yeah there's there's been some positive things we've been 43 and 20 in the in the hey, 6 said, years we've been doing that said something made so. me smile a lot of your kids uh, uh, work fast food now you had one kid Don Terry Ohano 67350 did he work fast food he was 62 you're thinking oh. of Vidarian Lowe who's 66 oh, six, okay yeah. did those guys work fast no, food no Vidarian didn't work cuz i would buy anything they put in front of me <laughs> No, no, and actually, I saw Vidarian. He was home over Christmas break. He's at University of Illinois. He was okay. he was their freshman of the year. Really? Wow. Um, he play, He started every every game once he came back from an injury from week three on. Um, he's lost like twenty five pounds. You know, because now, um, and as as you guys know, you know, poverty families. You know, a lot of times they eat fast food because it's cheaper. Right. You know, and so he's down at Illinois where they've got a nutritionist and they set up their diet and. Things are going great for him, you That's know, awesome. because of that. So, so uh, you you talked about some of the younger coaches getting frustrated. Is that because they are looking for results in too quick a time? They don't understand what it takes to build that up, or why? What's the what's the frustration, and why does the age or experience lend you to not have the same frustration? Well, I think I think the guys would say probably that I'm too flexible and easygoing. Okay, which is <laughs> there's some truth to that. Uh, okay. but I think for the younger guys, especially guys who played it. You know, a high level. I mean, Matt Renfro, our our offensive line coach, uh, was an All American at Saint Xavier. Um, John Paltolo was an All Conference linebacker for us. Chris Hawkins was a tremendous defensive. All those guys, um, you know, they they put their heart and soul into it, and they can see the talent that's there, and they get frustrated when it doesn't get actualized right away, or when there's pushback from the kids. We're asking too much out of them. We're pushing mm-hmm. them too hard. We're making them work too hard. They don't remember, you know, what, what you said initially, you know, was when we came into Auburn, the expectations were so low, kids regularly made fun of the football players. You know oh, what really? I mean? Like, yeah. oh, you suck. Mm-hmm. You play on a football team. And so we had a lot of kids who wouldn't come out, who wanted to come out probably, who had the skill level to come out, but were like, I'm not going to be part of a sorry program like that. Yeah. Fred and, Van Vliet didn't play football because he didn't want to get beat up for no reason. 
Yeah. Couldn't win. Why, yeah. you know, why get hurt? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so you brought up something, though, getting back to the management standpoint. Uh, the same year you were hired, another person was hired at a different school who had a great pedigree as an, as an athlete. And in three years, that program totally fell apart. And when you kind of do the autopsy on it, he couldn't communicate with the younger player who wasn't as dedicated as he was. Uh, I think you know what I'm talking about. We, we don't say names, but it, it was one of those things where he, this person was very good at what they did, and they were trying. He was trying to get them to buy in to the level that he was at, and they just wouldn't do it. And, and he got frustrated, and he just stopped communicating with them. Is that a problem? Sometimes, unlike you know, in management, you have people who've built businesses, so they obviously have a skill set, and when they they can't get the people yeah. under them, to so work the same I, way. it reminds me. I think um, and. Uh, Dan, you can chime in here and see what you think. So I was I was listening to some to somebody at one point in time. And they said the the great job of the leader is to communicate reality first, and then also to communicate where we're going to be as some sort of vision. And if you can't, and so many times people put a vision out there, but they don't can't can't communicate where reality is. And so you have you have no ability to lead a person from where they're at to where they're going if you don't also know where they're at, right? So there's I think maybe there's a disconnect in um, in in uh, management or leadership, who sets a vision out there and just says, "Hey, this is this is where you have to be. It's where you have to be." Not knowing that there's, a, you know, maybe you know, for certain people, perhaps in poverty, you got to be on time. It's the way it is. It's got to be on time. Got to be on time. Well, yeah, but there are things that you can't actually be on time. There's no way for you to do it, which is your reality. How do you communicate out of reality? So yeah, I, I absolutely think you're right on with that, Jason. And we've we've had to communicate. You know, with our kids, the idea that not only does, you know, being on time help you to get to our practice, which right. obviously is self-serving <laughs> for us, but it's also going to be good for your job. It's going to be good for, you know, school. Colleges, uh, you know, they're going to have six o'clock workouts in the off season. H- how do you do that? You know, yeah. yeah, everybody has a flat tire once in a while. Take a picture of the flat, send it to us. <laughs> right. I mean, we do stuff like that. <laughs> for Let sure. Let us know. You know, if you're watching your sibs, take a picture of your sibs, you know, and, and send it to us so we know it. Have your mom call us. Let yep. us know what's going on. You got to be a better communicator then yeah. if you're going to fall off that goal. Um, being an aggressive learner is is our third goal. You know, we talk about being mm-hmm. on time, being a class act, and then our third our third value is is being an aggressive learner, not sitting back and waiting for people to tell you what to do. And for so often, I think uh, our, our younger generation, because um, teachers go overboard it's you know to try and make sure that you get access to information sometimes they'll just wait and wait and wait no the teacher will tell us a third time or a fourth time right <laughs> you know i'll sit in the back of the class and stuff like that and and so we want the kids sitting in the first two rows mm-hmm. we want them to ask questions even if they're dumb questions we want them to ask questions we want their phones away things like that um we think are going to help them um when they go to college mm-hmm. it'll, it'll help them get to college in the first place you know so that, that, too, has been a slow-growth thing because that's not the nature of a lot of the kids at, at Auburn. They're just biding time, yeah. you know, uh, getting ready to go to work, getting ready to not work when they're done. And so we're, we're swimming against the stream a little bit in some yeah. ways. That, that And you're way. teaching them that they have to swim against their own streams, which is then... I mean, Take, as takes a, a lot of backbone. To as do a young person, for sure. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about teams. We've talked about culture. Now, this idea of building a team, how does a team come together? What are the what are the in your mind? What have you experienced? Are these core elements for a team to even be created and come together? Well, I think 
uh, buy-in from those three values. If you're on time for our, our workouts, that means you're showing the other kids on the team they can trust you. So that's where it kind of starts. Okay, we got some some shared commitment here to this goal that we're after. And then um, being a class act, that that's another one because I think when when you're living in a tough environment, um, it's so much easier to make fun of somebody else and avoid being the 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 target for um, everybody's frustration. Sure. When things are rough, it's it's easy to get frustrated. And so teach them to be a class act, to, to be a good teammate, mm-hmm. to to say positive things, even when people around you aren't saying positive things to you. That's That's been tough. But it's been really cool for our kids um, in that, you know, we have officials who will come after games and say, that's the best sideline I've been around, you know, and they're just shocked. Wow. And maybe they're shocked because they're not used to seeing you know, a primarily African-American team act yeah. that way. I hope that's not the case, but we get a lot of nice compliments like that. And I think that opens doors for kids, Yeah, you know? And so we're, we're trying to get them to do that on a regular basis. And, and, and it is, it is a, a culture, uh, I guess, uh, resistant to, to that type of change. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. At least what we've been dealing with recently, My, you know, not, not so much race, but just demographics. I mean, it's, um, when you have a primarily, I mean, the Rockford School District, I think, is something like eighty-eight percent low income, mm-hmm. um, and so you're you're just dealing with a population that maybe the parents aren't around; they're working third shift, or you're living with your grandmother. A lot of kids don't have that role model in their life, mm-hmm. which means when they get to high school, you're ending up being the role model. Yeah, yeah, and I, I don't think any coach signs on with that as as part of the deal. You know, if they right. say they're doing it, I always wonder about those guys who who profess I want to be a role model. I don't, I don't know anybody wants to carry. That's a that's a lot of responsibility <laughs> mm-hmm. if you really think about what that means. Right. So, um, but but that's that's our expectation for our coaches. You know, we want to model everything we expect the kids to do, so we don't swear at them. We don't. Um, um, make fun of them we we will make fun of poor effort we will get after them for that i shouldn't say make fun of we will we will yell at them if they're yeah if they're dogging it you know or if they're using really bad language or something like that we'll pull them off the field but um yeah we we as coaches have to model everything we want the kids to do and so that's that's made it easier too, having guys who buy into that. In the business world there's thing called turnaround specialists right we we work with a couple who um, you know that's that's how they sell themselves, and I wonder how much of it is. How much do you think your past success at Boylan helped them buy in, or do you think that what you were teaching them could work for a first year coach who has no pedigree? I, I definitely think you know the success we had before gave us credibility. I definitely think that, and I, and I think that also gave initial credibility with parents and guardians. Why does this crazy guy want to have them there in the summer all summer long? When in the past, from what I understand, a lot of our parents would farm their kids out to safer communities, to places where they could get something to eat, you know, um, outside of Rockford. And so it was a kind of a, a swing there in terms of that expectation. So I think the credibility part of it definitely helped. I think the fact that our district, um, especially our, our leadership downtown, uh, did a really nice job of putting their money where their mouth is. I mean, they updated facilities and really um, showed the kids that they were really willing to put uh, taxpayer money into updating and renovating just decrepit facilities to make them college and career-like. I, I think the kids saw that as, hey, 
they're really doing this because they expect things out of us. So I think that also kind of helped sell them on the idea of why they had to get behind stuff. So again, it was kind of a perfect storm. I don't want to take away from the building culture part, <laughs> but it's nice when you've got, you know, uh, administrative support in all of these things. Yeah. Well, that I think that is kind of the, uh, the idea of culture as well, that if you had tried to do this in a vacuum and didn't have the support of your, you know, the leadership who's, who's managing the greater school system at large, this probably wouldn't have succeeded at least to the degree that it has. Absolutely. It would have fallen apart if, if we didn't have that support, if I didn't have the support of my, my coaches, I think it would have fallen up. And I, and I think, you know, another aspect is that there was a, there was a really tough core of kids at Auburn. Now think about that going three years without a win and still showing up for practice on a regular basis. It was a small number, but that core, we, we absolutely loved that first group that we dealt with. Um, we had some gems in that, and we're we're hoping to hire a couple of those guys back when they finish college really? to wow. come back and coach for us. Because they, anybody who survives that type yeah. of suffering <laughs> and shows up every day and has a smile on their face and willing to do the work, I mean, we we'd love to have those guys back. Guys like Eddie Robinson, and um, we had a couple of others in that group: Tremel um, Wrightout and uh, Isaiah Farson. Just tremendous kids. Kevon Russi, just great kids who showed up every day and did the work. So I think those three things kind of helped us establish credibility year one. Here's why we have to do this stuff. Mm -hmm. So is that part of team building? When you got there, did you right away look for the leaders that you could sit there and say, okay, these are going to be the guys that we're going to, that are going to take our message and spread it to everybody else. So, so we did do some of that. Um, My coaches and I all kind of farmed out and took basketball games and track meets that we went to. And even though, you know, we were still at Boylan finishing up over there, we would go to those and kind of introduce ourselves to kids and ask them, how you know, how's it going? What do you mm-hmm. think needs to happen to make the turnaround here? So we kind of did a informal needs assessment with a lot nice. of the kids there. And so we kind of find out, found out early who some of the leaders were in that group. Um, we also got some great feedback on some of the needs of our kids. And, and I relayed that downtown, and, and we got terrific support from downtown to help with that. You know, one of the neat things – out of this was, you know, food's a huge deal in our yeah. in our community, you know, uh, for kids to, to get fed on a regular basis. And so that came out overwhelmingly as a need from every uh, stakeholder we talked to. So we fundraised um, and in order to provide snacks for the kids after practice every day. And then we also got uh, Matt Parker was able to work it out where – uh, kids who come to camp, there are uh, sack lunches made every day for kids who come in the summer to lunch. So wow. they're also getting a meal when they come to camp. So, I mean, it's just a wonderful thing. I mean, there's federal money out there for it, and Matt worked hard to get it. And so now it's win-win. Not only do you get better coming to practice in the summer, you're going to get a meal out of it and save some wear and tear on your family's refrigerator. So, mm-hmm. And these kids can, can put food away, believe me. So, yeah. <laughs> So, so you're you're uh, transitioning now out of out of coaching, but you're, uh, as a head coach at least. But you're going to be, I think, you're going to be still participating in in some capacity. Yeah, I, I envision myself always as a coach. I see myself that way, and um, I just I, I don't want to spend as much time at it. I I kind of came in with the idea. You know, I was really blessed at Boylan. I had a great experience there. I, I dealt with great kids and. Now I get a chance to kind of finish up my career, mm-hmm. and I gave myself a five- or six-year window of, of working with kids who had a high need level and, and doing the best I could to help them become successful. And I felt like I kind of exhausted myself with that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And our younger guys, I mean, they're really, you know, I've, I've been smart enough to give them 
greater loads every year and mm-hmm. now they're they're i think ready to to take over and and handle that and i i know my successor john paul Tolo is going to do a great job mm-hmm. um and he's got basically that whole staff still in place and i i want to help with it but i want to be able to also take time off and do things i want to do too so you're following some sort of plan then to transition the program i'm i'm guessing uh in some intelligent manner that the the leadership that you had you want to you want to see that another leader you know takes that torch and continues running with essentially the same torch you've got similar values you're going to go with similar mindsets uh so that the program can continue in some fashion without you know somebody else having this big transition to go through i think that's a definition of success right if if you build something and it continues running after you leave it it's something positive you know it's something that you know is is worthwhile so I feel like, you know, um, when I left Boylan, they, they had a lot of good things in place. They went yeah. on still, I think they won another 20-some straight games in conference and had a great couple of quarterfinal, one semifinal in there. So, I mean, they they had a lot a lot on the table, and so that was a pretty good program in place. And then I feel like leaving this one, I'm, I'm leaving this with, you know, a terrific staff in place. They've got great facilities now. They, they've got uh, – They've overcome some of the hurdles with regards to equipment needs and things like that. I mean, it was just almost a joke when we first got there what they didn't have and what yeah. we had to put in place. So I think I think from that standpoint, it's it's a richer program, and and I think the young guys are going to give it great energy. So I, I feel good about it. How how long? I'm I'm guessing it wasn't months. I'm assuming it's years. How long did you think about how you were going to uh, create that successful transition? Well, I kind of had that plan in place at Boylan mm-hmm. and um, it, it didn't wasn't quite really well received there in terms of my input on that sure. and so um, I'd been retooling it all along you know I'm co- I come from the line what if what if coach gets hit by a bus who takes over yeah. you know what I mean and so um, I, I was hoping I was going to be able to, to tweak Josh Fagan into Stan my, you know my my number one assistant coming out and he moved back to Oregon with where his wife's family's from. And he's just having a great time out there. So that didn't work. And so as soon as Josh was talking about leaving, I, I, you know, I have two or three guys on staff. John Paul's obviously the the most, the most capable at this point and started giving him a bigger role. He's called the offense the last two years. Um, Last year, my son called the defense. So I really was around just to kind of blow up the footballs and make sure we had enough equipment there on, on game day. So uh, they did a great job of it. And, and and all the other younger guys who kind of bumped up the chain did a really nice job. So I feel like I feel like it's it's in good hands now. So if you if you had been doing this uh, back at Boylan, you had this concept of how am I going to make a successful transition. You've, yep. you've been thinking about retooling it for how many years now? Well, this is it's eight probably years? seven, eight years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's it's a wearing job, you yeah. know, as as the head guy at a program because sure. everything, it, and, and and I'm sure it's different probably in college because there's so many support personnel. But yeah. in high school, everything flows through the one guy. Well, and so f- so for our listeners who are dealing with a lot of small businesses and and entrepreneurs and family owned businesses, this idea of thinking about how you're going to successfully transition your business typically comes up at a time of need. It doesn't come up eight years before you think you're going to have a need, usually, and so then you're you're just stuck you're lost. And it would seem to me, and based on everything you've packed together for us uh, in this, in this time we've had is that if you had thought about this need, you know, last year, it's too late. You had eight years to retool this concept and how you were going to build a successful program and pass it on. Plus, you know, I think 
as I think as small businesses, I would think, you know, your, your customers want to have faith that they're going to get the same product too. Yeah. And when all of a sudden there's a, a traumatic change, <laughs> I don't know if they believe that or they're going to wait and see and, and, and wonder how that turns out. Whereas yeah. with this, I think everybody who's been following us kind of knows coach is going to still stay with the program. I, I will still stay and help out and, yeah. and it's going to be his guys running it and it's going to be the same basic program. So let's, let's keep our kids going there and, and getting involved in this program. So, yeah. Well, that's awesome. I'm I'm excited to see where the program continues to go. I'm I'm thrilled to hear that you uh, are transitioning to something new in, in your own life, and uh, and also have set up this transition for uh, for the school and for all those kids. That that's awesome. And what a great example. Thank you, thank you. It's 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 not easy putting something like this down when you've done it <laughs> 33 years. But right. you know, you also have to recognize. I think at at some point, you know, where's your heart in this whole thing, and where's yeah. your energy level, and and yeah. If you milk it, and I, I've seen some coaches milk the head job until, you know, none of their assistants want to stick around. They're all yeah. frustrated, and and now you're you're just basically terminating. You're making your program toxic in right. some ways, and and I certainly didn't want to do that. That's awesome. Good advice for everybody. Well, thanks, Dan, for being on the the podcast today. We we appreciate your insights. Thanks. I appreciate being here. <laughs>